Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Wow, a lot of news going on here today. The uh, president has just, President Biden has just said uh, we're going to block imports of Russian oil into the U.S. We'll see where this goes. I've got some thoughts on that and the economics of an oil embargo. Also, are we seeing a new swastika emerging in Russia? Uh, This is fascinating. Just like, you know, we have a Trump problem with the right embracing Nazi and Confederate iconography, uh, Russia has a Putin problem. Is this the beginning of the downfall of Putin, or is this a reconsolidation of his power in Russia? I want to get into that. Also, what can the world learn from the failure of the Budapest Accords? You may not, not have even heard of the Budapest Memorandum. I'll tell you all about that. We have the co-leader of the so-called Freedom Convoy, the truckers heading to Washington, D.C., or trying to snarl up traffic there. People are dying in Ukraine to defend real freedom, and these guys are burning tons of diesel fuel to complain about masks? Really? Well, we'll find out. Uh, if so, I mean, how pathetic is that? But we'll find out when the, uh, the co-director of that uh, so-called Freedom Convoy comes on the program, uh, assuming he shows up. Also, is Tucker Carlson the new Tokyo Rose or just a worthless piece of crap, to paraphrase uh, Al Franken in a way that I can say it on the radio, for uh, Tucker Carlson's coverage of Putin and the war in Russia? I'll share details about that. But to start the day, there has been this conversation, shall we say, going on for some time now about whether the United States should ban imports of Russian oil into the U.S. Uh, We import about 8% of Russia's oil. It is not a, uh, you know, a massive amount of oil. Let me find the, here we go. Uh, Russia is the world's largest oil exporter. They shipped almost 8 million barrels of crude a day at the end of last year. About 60% of Russia's oil exports go to Europe. 8% go to the U.S. China accounts for about 20%. So cutting 8% of their oil exports is not going to hurt them. In fact, it's going to jack the price of oil up so much, ultimately it may help them over the short term. But if this spreads to other countries, and as a moral statement, I think it's really powerful. You will recall last week, I don't recall if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but one of my op-eds last week was entirely about this topic. Does Joe Biden, you know, is it a good idea for Joe Biden to ban imports of Russian oil? On the one hand, it's the moral thing to do, it's the right thing to do, and we need to decouple ourselves from, from foreign oil anyway. We produce more than enough oil here domestically. If we simply went back and banned the oil producers in the United States from exporting our oil, we wouldn't need to import any oil. But, you know, that got undone. I believe it was in the last year of the Obama administration. It was during the Obama administration that the U.S. became 100% fossil fuel independent of the rest of the world. But then the companies, you know, they, they could get better prices on the international markets than they could selling domestically. So the companies started exporting our oil. So we're back to importing Russian oil. So, you know, and, and, and a lot of this is going to have, have to do with what these companies decide. It's, after all, a so-called free market. And these companies are not fans of Joe Biden. So, in all probability, you're going to see some substantial gas price spikes, even though Biden has said, you know, please don't do that. The Russian deputy prime minister, Alexander Novak, has said that the price of oil could go over $300 a barrel. It has gone up to $132 a barrel as of about an hour ago. So 
Here is the clip of President Biden announcing that he is banning the import of Russian oil. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. Now, that said, and this has been going on for about a week now, the American Petroleum Institute and the Republican senators and members of the House of Representatives that they own, and let's be clear, they own them. I mean, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars in donations every year to these members of Congress from the fossil fuel industry um, has bought them, the GOP. And the, the Republican Party and a lot of the right-wing think tanks, particularly those aligned with the Koch network, of course, you know, Charles Koch and his brother David, who has now passed away, uh, made their fortunes uh, with their father's fortune, and he made his fortune, Fred Koch, uh, drilling for oil in Russia or in the old Soviet Union back in the 40s. So, you know, they're, they're up to their eyeballs in oil. So they, you know, there's been all this push about, oh, we need more leases. You know, we need more, more acreage, uh, federal land to drill on. Uh, President Biden took that on head on. Here he is. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. Even amid the pandemic, companies in the United States pumped more oil during my first year in office than they did during my predecessor's first year. We're approaching a record levels of oil and gas production in the United States, and we're on track to set a record oil production next year. In the United States, 90 percent of onshore oil production takes place on land that isn't owned by the federal government. And of the remaining 10 percent that occurs on federal land, the oil and gas industry has millions of acres leased. They have 9,000 permits to drill now. They could be drilling right now, yesterday, last week, last year. They have 9,000 to drill onshore that are already approved. So let me be clear. Let me be clear. They are not using them for production now. That's their decision. These are the facts. We should be honest about the facts. Yeah. It's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding Yeah, it's simply not true that his administration or policies are holding us back. It's, it's just not true. Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the United Kingdom, has announced that they import a very small amount of Russian oil. They have announced that they are going to be looking at a new energy strategy. Olaf Scholz, the ch chancellor of Germany, said that, uh, sorry, we can't do this, but uh, we largely support your efforts. I'm paraphrasing. He said uh, this cannot be. He said the German government has been working hard for months with its partners within the EU and beyond to develop alternatives to Russian energy. However, this cannot be done overnight. And then the uh, secretary general of OPEC, Mohamed Barkino, said that speaking of if the world was to entirely embargo Russia's oil, which is, you know, as I said earlier, seven to eight million barrels a day, he said, quote, there is no capacity in the world at the moment that can replace seven million barrels of exports. So oil prices, gas prices, energy prices in the United States will be going up in part because we are supporting Ukraine in this. And Republicans, of course, will be attacking uh, uh, President Biden for that. I mean, you know, you could take that to the bank, right? Uh, you could literally just take that to the bank. So the question, you know, how willing are Republicans to support a another democracy? Or are the Republicans, I mean, you know, they've already, you got Fox News broadcasting live from Hungary, which is theoretically a democracy, but Viktor Orban has uh, turned it into an oligarchy, essentially. Um, you've, you've got Tucker Carlson now coming out, talking about how all this war coverage that you're seeing coming out of Ukraine, it's all propaganda designed to get the U.S. into a war with Russia. We should stop it. We should stop it now. Stop looking at those pictures. This is now, you know, not quoting verbatim, but this is the essence of what Tucker and Fox News are saying, or at least some on Fox News. So it's a bizarre time. It's a bizarre time. I'll tell you about the swastika right after this break. And also this whole issue with the uh, failure of the Budapest Accords. So stick around here on the Tom Hartman program. Uh, fair and only slightly unbalanced.
Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. So are, are we looking at the end of Vladimir Putin or is this the renewal of Vladimir Putin? Keep in mind, it took us the better part of five or six years in the United States to go from George W. Bush lying us into the war in Iraq in 2002 and 2003 to the point around 2007, 2008, where Americans had fully realized that we had been lied into a war, that you know thousands of American soldiers had died and millions, hundreds of billions of dollars had been spent, and now trillions, for no good reason whatsoever other than George Bush thought that that would get him reelected in 2004. And Dick Cheney wanted to sell off the oil wells, the oil fields of Iraq to a whole bunch of foreign oil companies who were his buddies. I mean, that, that's what it boiled down to. But it took us the better part of four or five years to figure out that we had been lied to. We were all, you know, gung I mean, not all of us. I certainly wasn't. Many of us were calling out the war for what it was. But the majority of Americans, public, you know, American popular opinion was largely supportive of Bush leading up to that war and after that war, even though there was the, you know, the, the, it provoked what until the election of Donald Trump had been the largest protests in the world, the possibility of the war in Iraq. But once it happened, we fell into place. Is that same thing happening in Russia? I'm getting really conflicting reports about this. Um, in some reporting is suggesting that the Russian media is, is, you know, they've completely locked down all the news. They're doing blow-by-blow -blow reports of how they're seizing, pro seizing territory in Ukraine um, because they are denazifying the country because there's this Nazi Zelensky who's running the country. and We've got to take this Nazi down. Zelensky, whose grandfather was the only survivor of three brothers who were in the German concentration camps and who is Jewish and ran for, for prime minister, for president as a Jew and was elected in Ukraine, the Russians are saying, oh, no, no, he's a Nazi, and we're denazifying. So there's a large part of the Russian electorate that's doing exactly what Americans did after George W. Bush lied us into Iraq, which is like, ah, you know, so we're in a war, okay, we support our troops, uh, you know, uh, pass the fries. And then there is this smaller anti-war movement that is growing very rapidly in Russia. And so, you know, we've got kind of dueling commentators on this issue. Um, uh, Putin has apparently created, I don't know if it's Putin or if it's just kind of organically or the trolls or what, but um, they have started putting the letter Z, which, by the way, is not part of the Cyrillic alphabet. It's part of the English alphabet, uh, you know, and a lot of other countries' alphabets. But they're putting the letters Z on their tanks and things that are going into Ukraine. At first, people thought that stood for Zelensky. It was like a statement of solidarity with Ukraine or something like that. Uh, turns out, no, it's become like the new swastika. This is the new symbol of uh, Russian autocracy. You had a Russian uh, athlete wearing a Z. This was a Russian gymnast, Ivan Kuliak, was wearing a white Z on his leotard as he was standing next to Ukraine's Kutuva Ilya, who had just won the gold Olympics. Uh, in Doha, Qatar, Qatar. Um, a bunch of severely ill Russian children are taken outside and lined up in a Z formation to, to, for a photo that's gone viral on social media. Uh, it's showing up on flags, on trucks. Uh, Russian spy Maria Butina drew a Z on the lapel of her jacket. So it's, it's kind of weird, you know, that the first letter of President Zelensky's name would be the new... Nazi logo for Russia, but it appears to be happening. Um, meanwhile, Clint Watts, who is uh, uh, in an interview with Kara Swisher for the New York Times, he's a senior fellow, research fellow at the Foreign Policy Research Institute. He thinks this is going to take down Putin. He says Putin will be unsuccessful at installing a compliant government in Ukraine and predicts that they would need 800,000 soldiers to do that, and they don't have them. Um, he said, I'm worried about Moscow falling between day 30 and six months from now. He said, Putin is going to try to throw everything at the wall to convince Russians that things are going well, that the war is justified. And if he gets in trouble, he's going to say, look, they're doing it to us. But uh, Clint Watts says, I think it's starting to break. On the other hand, you know, you've got Fox News and Tucker Carlson and whatnot out there saying, oh, it's all just propaganda. On top of this, we have an agreement with Ukraine to protect their borders. We do, the United States, as does the United Kingdom. It's called the Budapest Mem Mem Memorandum. I'll tell you about that right after the break, and then I'll pick up your phone calls. How do you think this thing is playing out? 
And how do you think the, the, the Republicans are going to try to exploit President Biden's support for Zelensky by canceling Russian oil? To the Tom Hartman program. Back with your calls in just a moment. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. My new book, The Hidden History of Big Brother in America, is officially released. I will be doing a Zoom book reading, as it were, on Thursday with Town Hall Seattle on March 10th, townhallseattle.org. Again, it's a Zoom link, so you'd have to check that out. The last thing I want to share with you before I pick up your phone calls here is today's rant over at hartmanreport.com. It's titled, Can the World Learn from the Failure of the Budapest Accords? It's actually the Budapest Memor Memorandum is the formal name for it. And... I think most Americans don't realize that we have a signed agreement with Ukraine. This was the U.S., the U.K., and Russia. In 1994, we signed an agreement saying that we would defend, we would protect, we, we would respect the territorial integrity and defend the territorial integrity of Ukraine. And, you know, we're largely ignoring it. Zelensky has called us out on this over and over and over again. The American media doesn't talk about it. I published the whole, the entire, you know, it's only a two-page long memorandum. And it, this was put together by the UN, these, these meetings in Budapest. And in exchange for the United States, the United Kingdom, and Russia guaranteeing Ukraine's territorial sovereignty in 1994, Ukraine gave up almost two thousand intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs, the SS-19s and the SS-24s, almost 2,000 of them. Each one of those intercontinental missiles had a warhead that was between four and 550 kilotons. That's 30 times the size of the bomb that took out Hiroshima. Every single one of them. So, you know, 2,000 of these things, 30 times, what is that, 600 times, that's the equivalent of 600 Hiroshima bombs uh, in terms of explosive power. And they were all, most of them were pointed at the United States. Some of them were pointed at Western Europe, but these were ICBMs. They were stationed in Ukraine. Ukraine was the third largest nuclear power in the world after the, fail, after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And so we went in there and we cut them a deal. There was a, basically a three-part deal. First of all, they wanted assistance. They wanted assurance from us that they, as a country, could continue to be a country, that their territorial boundaries would be respected. All three of our countries, the United States, Russia, and the United Kingdom, signed saying, yes, we will defend your territories, or we will respect your territories at the very least. Secondly, they wanted some financial help to dig those missiles out of the silos and transport them to Russia for destruction. Um, we gave them $3 billion, the U.S., the U.K., and Russia. And third, they still had 15 functioning nuclear power plants, and they wanted to take the radioactive material in those warheads and reprocess it back into nuclear fuel, which they had been doing, apparently. 
and uh, you know, therefore they could be more or less energy independent with their nuclear power plants for the next couple of decades. Um, we did that as well. We, you know, in fact, Russia provided a bunch of the help for, the, for that. Uh, and we provided them with a $3 billion fund to create the modern Ukrainian military. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the language that's in there says, you know, the U.S., the U.K., and Russia, quote, reaffirm their obligation to refrain from the threat or use of force against the territorial integrity or political independence of Ukraine, that we will refrain from economic coercion against Ukraine, that should things break down, we will, quote, seek immediate United Nations Security Council action to provide assistance to Ukraine if any, action, if any nation were to initiate an act of aggression against Ukraine. Now, arguably, we've done those things. We had the meeting in the U.N., um, but, you know, nowhere in this agreement does it say exactly what our assistance to Ukraine would be in the event they were attacked. And President Zelensky, just uh, last Friday, March the 4th, he said, all the alliance has managed to do so far is to carry 50 tons of diesel fuel for Ukraine through its procurement system, probably so that we can burn the Budapest Memorandum. The Wall Street Journal just published an op-ed saying and pointing out what I point out in this article, which is that every other country in the world that has nukes or wants to have nukes, and I'm talking like North Korea, right, um, uh, Iran, every other country in the world that thought, maybe I should have nukes to protect myself, and then we said, oh, no, don't worry, we'll take care of you, everything's good, like we did with Iran. They're looking at Ukraine right now and saying, oh, this is what happens when you give up your nukes. The country next door invades you. I guarantee you they're talking about this in Taiwan right now. There were nukes in Taiwan until, 19, until 1972 or 3. I, I forget the year, maybe even 74. Nixon took the nukes out of, out of Taiwan. It was part of a deal with Taiwan and China. So Taiwan has been denuclearized. Iran has to be looking at this thing going, huh? North Korea, you think we're going to give up our nukes now after, you know, after President Trump came over and patted us on the head and we built dozens more and tested them? And he was like, oh, that's good. Look at that, Kim. He's a wonderful guy. And now comes this Wall Street Journal op-ed. Now, this is a Murdoch-owned publication that had been cheerleading for Trump when Trump was sucking up to Putin. And they said, and I quote, this was published on February 22nd, quote, don't be surprised if Japan or South Korea seek their own nuclear deterrent. If Americans want to know why they should care about Ukraine, nuclear proliferation is one reason. Betrayal has consequences as the world seems destined to learn again the hard way. It's breathtaking. We need, new, we need a new set of, uh, uh, you know, a new revision of the Budapest Protocols. But beyond that, we've got to make sure that the agreements that we have with these other countries contain explicit mutual defense provisions. Because this is just so, we're so wrong what's going on. So picking up your phone calls here, uh, Marty in uh, Wixom, Michigan. Hey, Marty, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Love your show. Thank you. Uh, what you were discussing earlier, uh, I'd like to make the case for why it is very important for Democrats to call for a windfall profit tax on the big oil companies. This is not only economically justified, which I'll explain in a moment, it's politically essential because without the identification of a legitimate villain, the public will simply put the blame on the Biden administration. I, I think you're right, and, Marty. Marty, before you go any further, I, I help my, my failing memory here. Was it the Nixon administration or the Carter administration that first put a windfall profits tax on the oil companies? That was the Carter administration in okay. 1980, right Thank after you. the big run with the OPEC oil embargo. Yeah. Uh, but I, I want to share some numbers uh, uh, with folks. First, I think it's important to know that barring Russian oil to the U.S. would have essentially no impact on our gasoline prices. As of December 2021, Russian oil made up less than one-half of one percent of our total oil consumption. The oil companies, of course, would try to use that, if it happens, as an excuse to boost profits further, but there's no economic reason why that should affect our gas prices. Right. I should yeah. mention I, I, It might be eight percent of Russia's oil exports, but it's only one-half of one percent of our consumption. Exactly. 
Um, I, I should say I, I've spent 40 years working in the energy field, but all of the data I'm going to share is publicly available at the Energy Information Administration mm-hmm. of the U.S. Department of Energy. Um, we all know how painful gasoline prices increase has been. As of yesterday, it was 4.17 a gallon nationally. One year ago, it was 2.89. The in oil, uh, one year ago it was 63 dollars a barrel. Today, it's about 115 dollars a barrel. And the image presented is that the price of the pump is just the oil companies passing along the world price increase for oil that they face. All, little- all five of the big major oil companies that operate in the United States have seen record profits in the last 12 months. Exactly. The, the dirty little secret is that, as you mentioned earlier, the U.S. is now a net petroleum exporter. We produce more oil than we use. But the current situation is that the oil companies are essentially making huge windfall profits for the price of oil they already own. That's right. Their cost production from their wells is no higher than it was a year ago. Right, which is generally, depend, you know, broadly across the United States, isn't the, 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 the average cost of production of American oil somewhere between 20 and $30 a barrel, and some of it is as yeah. little as $5 a barrel? Yes, and it has not changed a bit from when oil prices were $63 a barrel last right. year. And they were making a hell of a lot of money then. That, that was their, their most profitable year in history at $63 a barrel. Right. So I'm really urging the, the Democrats to come out with a call for a windfall profits tax. Yeah. And one last point. It's important to know that our U.S. oil companies have two big reasons to want these high prices. The first is the obvious windfall profits, but the second is that it greatly increases the pressure on Biden to abandon his climate efforts and open up more oil leasing and production, which you had mentioned earlier. Yeah. This is all part of a big political play that not only fattens their wallet, but increases the political power that they have. And I think ideally, if they can really bring Biden down and replace him with a Republican pro-oil president... They're triple winners. Oh, they're doing their best. You know, I get the uh, I get the newsletters from a couple of the the right wing think tanks and activist groups that have been funded by the Coke uh, network and other right wing billionaires in the fossil fuel industry, and they are just yelling and screaming about you know Biden and the pump, yeah. you know gasoline price. It's all about yeah. I'm with you, yeah. Marty. Thank you. Yeah. That was very informative. I appreciate the call, Carl in Fairland, Texas. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind today? Well, I was thinking about the Republican platform in 2016 where they had defense funding for Ukraine against Russian aggression. And when Manafort and Trump do their thing, that's no longer in there. Yep. So I just want people to be remember they're complicit in this. Oh, yeah. Well, they arguably they set it up. This is part of the conspiracy that I believe in. And why this is happening now. I agree. I agree. And I don't, I, you know, I just, I think if they hold on, this is like somebody drowning in a river. You throw them a rope. If they can hold on, the river will subside. Yeah. Or, but if we jump in to save you, we're going to drown too. It's a good. It's a good analogy because it'll be justification for Vladimir Putin and it was the Russian people. Yeah, yeah. It's once the Russians figured out that this isn't worth one man, one man. Mm-hmm. They will do something about it. Yeah, I think well, you're right, Carl. The question is, when are they going to figure this out? It, it appears that there's this huge age divide. That the people under 30 in Russia who are still getting information off the Internet and have figured out how to use VPNs and things to get around the Russian censors, they know what's going on, and they're the ones who are showing up in the streets. The people over 30, sort of like Fox News watchers in America, uh, they're just getting state television. And they think that that their country is doing a noble denazification of a neighboring country and liberating the poor people of Ukraine. Well, hopefully the truth wins out, I hope. I'm with you. I'm with and, you. Oh, God, i got to tell you, well, I was floored by these uh, Budapest memorandums you were talking about. Man, that's just, i got to look that up and figure that all out. Yeah, it's at well, the, it's at the top, uh, HartmanReport.com. You don't have to sign up for anything. You, you know, it's, okay. uh, it's, you can read it. You don't, you know, like I said, it's not 
it's just right there. And, and I reprinted the in its entirety. It's only a two-page memo. And, I, and at the end of my rant is the entire Budapest memorandum. And it's, you know, just point by point. If Ukraine will give up these 1,900 nuclear weapons that are threatening the United States and Europe, then we will not only give you military support, and we will not only help you dispose of those weapons, but we will also protect your territorial boundaries. And in 2014, when Russia took Crimea, uh, uh, I, I don't think Zelensky was president at the time, but the, uh, I think it was Poroshenko was president at the time, I could be wrong. But the president of Ukraine, went, or the, whoever it was from Ukraine, they went to the United Nations. They said, you guys sanctioned these, these memorandum. It happened under your supervision in Budapest. And we want it enforced. And the UN basically said, eh, you know, that takes a Security Council resolution and Russia won't go along with that, so we can't do anything. I'm sorry. Yeah, which is exactly what's happening again, Carl. It's maddening. Well, hopefully they will figure it out and that will be the end of this. Yeah. Nicholas in Mexico, you wanted to talk about the Budap Budapest Protocols. Yeah, first of all, hi, Tom. Thank you for taking hey, my Nicholas. call. I called a while back and I, f I felt so mortified after I spoke with you. I asked you about the Lisbon Protocol or something. Of course, what I was trying to refer to was the uh, Budapest Memorandum, mm -hmm. and got completely turned around term-wise. So I was I was so confused when you were saying, no, we don't have any obligation oh, to help Ukraine. The Lisbon Protocol has to do with nuclear weapons. Right, right, right. Which, which uh, arguably the Budapest Memorandum does, too. I mean, it was basically, it what do we do with 1,900 nukes that could destroy right. every city in the United States with, with uh, more than 50,000 people in don't it? Even, don't even think about it seriously. Yeah. We don't want to put that out. It's just too horrific. But, I, I, you know, all I wanted to do was call and underline what you were just talking about earlier. Um, if we don't help Ukraine more than we have been already, and I do know that there's more help going in than there was a week ago, I get that. But it's not enough. Russia is enormously powerful. Putin appears willing to, you know, turn it into another Dresden. You know, if we don't do more, the West being we, we are not going to look a great deal better at all of this in history than Putin himself is going to look. Yeah. I, I, it appears that the strategy that the Western nations have agreed on is let Putin do his best, you know, let the Ukrainians yeah. fight back as well as they can. In all probability, they will take Kyiv. Uh, in all probability, they will capture Zelensky and execute him or put him on trial or whatever. And then over the next couple of years, keep in mind, I, I, I keep pointing out, we attacked Iraq very much like Putin is attacking Ukraine. It didn't get the coverage, but it was a virtually identical situation. And it took us domestically four or five years before the majority of Americans realized that Bush and Cheney yeah. were war criminals and had lied us into a war. It could take right. that long for Russians to realize that Putin is doing this. I, I frankly think it's going to be more like six months, but it's not going to happen next right. week. I, I think you're right. I do think you're right, by the way. I think that uh, the end is coming, but I, I just don't quite see how, but I do think yeah. it's coming somehow or other. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, thank you for, for yeah. weighing in, Nicholas. Good talking to you. It's all good about Lisbon yeah. versus Budapest. It's, they're both important. They're both important. Nicholas, thank you. Uh, once again, that whole thing on the Budapest. I actually reprinted the Budapest Accords. Uh, it's at the top of HartmanReport.com if you want to check it out, if you want to read what we're talking about. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Back with your calls in just a moment. Taking back the mainstream media three hours a day, five days a week, right here. Tom Hartman with you. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued 
at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So, truckers in D.C., we're getting all kinds of conflicting reports of what's going on there. Is there chaos? Are there accidents? Is, you know, are people defecting? Is it working? Is it not? Uh, What's going on with this? Uh, Let's check in with Michael Letts. He's the co-chairman of Freedom Convoy USA 2022. He's also the uh, CEO and founder of investusa.org. A nonprofit helping communities provide bulletproof vests for police officers. His website, Michael Letts, uh, Michael L E T T S dot US, and you can tweet him at Michael Letts, spelled the same way, USA, Michael Letts USA, or at R Freedom, the letter R Freedom Convoy. Michael, welcome to the program. Um, I, I'm here's how this looks from where I'm sitting, and I'm wondering if you can set me straight on this or or what. Sure. Um, People are dying in Ukraine to defend real freedom, and you guys are burning tons of diesel fuel to complain about masks? I mean, that seems kind of pathetic. What am I missing? Well, I think what you're missing, uh, quite frankly, Tom, is the fact that it's not just masks. It's the issue of freedom itself. When there are mandates that have been placed on this people of this country that have been disastrous. You're talking about vaccine mandates. Vaccine mandates, mass mandates, overreaching of the government, tyranny by the government. And in fact, uh, what it has done to the business, the economy, to the children who can't even participate in schools without fear of being ostracized because they're not wearing the right mask or because of the fact of getting too close to children. Enough is enough. We sympathize. In fact, I just got a request from the Ukrainian government for assistance with this. We're here to help the Ukrainian people. But we also want to make sure that here in America, we understand the value of our freedom. And that's what we are seeking to make sure that is implemented and that we maintain. We've got a government run amok right now. When you've got a government, you know, quite frankly, we're part of the cause of the Ukrainian problem. We were an exporter of fuel. Now we're an importer of oil and we're getting it from Russia. We're helping Russia finance and fund its Ukrainian war. These are just common sense issues. And it became extremely viable to us as the truckers convoy we began to realize just how expensive it was to do this convoy because of the price of fuel going up and escalating and that's affecting every american across this country okay so you've you've gone through a couple of things here first that the the tyranny the the essential tyranny that we're facing is mask and vaccine mandates where were you guys when every state in the union requires every child entering kindergarten to have at least a half a dozen different vaccines well, this has been quite different because we're now beginning to see that there is a huge concern for public and negative effects of this particular vaccine. And we've seen no positive outcourse or recourse from it. Uh, we have been duped and lied to as an American people. So you don't believe uh, that being vaccinated is going to reduce the probability that you're going to end up in a hospital or dead? You just don't believe I don't that? I don't think there's any. I don't believe that. I don't think there's any evidence that really proves that. I think CDC is consistently and HWO consistently changed their story. And I think they, what they have hit is the adverse effects on the American people. And I think they have, you know, American people have the right to choose. Yeah, I have well, all the facts. Yeah, I should be able to, to the best of my knowledge, that's, that's by and large the case. There are no federal vaccine mandates. There are vaccine mandates for private employers. And even those are, are by and large being, being ignored. But, um, uh, you know, to, to hear you say that you think that this vaccine is not preventing death and disease is just mind-boggling, Michael. Well, I don't well, know where well, you're getting your information. No, let, let's set the record straight. Let's take L.A. County. You remember uh, the charity that I represent, USA, whose biggest concern is to make sure our first responders are taken care of. There are 4,000 L.A. County deputies that were uh, authorized to be terminated. Because of the fact they refused the vaccine. More cops have, have died highest. from COVID than have died from all that's, that's, other that, that is from absolutely all crime true, in the last decade. Absolutely not true. Absolutely not true. It is easily when documented. Look, no, We're seeing it here in Portland. we got more cops dead from I mean, it's uh, all over. When you look at the documentation, they list everything as a COVID. There's a reason why they list everything as a COVID. There are financial incentives to, to the hospitals. To the oh, doctors, God, Michael. To list don't, everything don't, as COVID. Don't. It's not that COVID doesn't exist. It's Do you just realize? that everything is burned on COVID. And that's just absolutely not true. Okay. It's just simply not true. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I, you know, I can't. Obviously, I'm not going to change your mind or, or change your beliefs. And I, and I, and I hope that 
if you're unvaccinated, Michael, I'm assuming that you are, that you don't get COVID and you don't end up dead. I, you know, I, 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 I wish you well, but um, you, I appreciate you also, you know, went into this, uh, uh, this riff about how, uh, you know, we went from being a net, net oil importer to an exporter, uh, to an importer again. Um, I, 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 we, we declared during the Obama administration, actually, I know everybody says it was during the Trump administration. It wasn't. You can go back and look at it. It was the second or third year of the Obama administration. We declared that we now produce more oil in the United States than we consume. We also had a law that said that it was illegal to export oil. That law was changed during the Biden administration, or during the uh, Obama administration. I believe it was the last year of the Obama administration. At the, at, by and large, at the request of Republican legislators to allow the big oil producers in the United States to start exporting oil again because the sweet Texas crude can draw a higher price on international markets than the oil that's coming out of Russia or other or Saudi, even Saudi oil. Sure. And so they were looking at saying, OK, we can sell this in the United States and make X or we can sell this internationally and make X plus 20 percent. So they lobbied to get that law taken down. There, these internet, these giant international oil corporations are the ones who ex are exporting the sweet Texas crude, the, the the really good high quality oil, which is therefore creating a need to import other oil into the United States. I mean, I don't know what. Where did you get the idea that Joe well, Biden had anything to do with this? When you shut down the Keystone Pipeline, you shut down the ability. That was not for American oil. The Keystone Pipeline was going to an oil refinery in Texas that could deal with the high sulfur you know, crud oil that's coming out of, uh, it's not even really oil, it's, it's a coal slurry that was coming out of Canada. And that refinery is 100% for export. It was going to South America and to China. None of that oil was destined for the United States. And by the way, it wasn't American oil. It was foreign oil. It was Canadian oil. But it was the ability for it to be utilized here in the United States. No, it couldn't. That, that Canadian oil cannot be converted into gasoline. It has too much sulfur. It can be produced, it can be converted into high sulfur diesel, which some, you know, some most diesel trucks can, can use, but diesel cars cannot use. Uh, it's very right. problematic. And it can be converted, and it, it wasn't even pure enough that it could be converted into jet fuel. It basically, you know, it could be used as, as heating fuel or it could be used for power plants. And thus, again, for export, because the United States, our power plants are all converting to natural gas, the ones that are still fossil fuels. I mean, this, again, this is, this is BS that you are believing, Michael. I'm, 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 I think it's very obvious to whether it's law enforcement or whether it's the general public at whole. You paid X price for a gallon two years ago. You're paying X price today. You mean the two years ago when the whole country, the whole world was shut down because of the because of the pandemic? We had a dollar eighty nine two years ago in South Carolina. It's now four dollars a gallon. Yep. That affects everybody. Yep. Absolutely true. And, and that Absolutely is not true. being addressed. And, and, and I think the question here, Michael, is are Americans patriotic enough? Are we are we willing to defend a, a small democracy, Ukraine, being attacked by a large autocratic, essentially dictatorship, Russia? Are we willing to pay? I mean, you know, it's one half of one percent of U.S. oil consumption is our Russian are the Russian oil exports that are coming or imports into the United States, which arguably should increase the price of gas by about five cents. But you and I right. both know that the oil companies, which made the, the the five largest oil companies operating in the United States last year, made the largest profits in the history of the United States. They made their largest history in their ex uh, largest profits in their history of existing as oil companies ever well, last year. Well, Tom, and they're, and they're taking 40% of that money and they're using it to buy back their own stock from the stock market so that their CEOs and executives can, instead of taking home millions of dollars a year, can take home tens to hundreds of millions of dollars a year. That's what they're doing with this. Are we and patriotic to enough to say to the oil companies enough and are we patriotic yes. enough to say, and if we have to pay a little more at the pump to support Ukraine, we're willing to do it? Are you? No question about that, Tom. But I, I don't think it comes to having to pay more at the pump. Quite frankly, I think you and I are on the same page there. America first. And quite frankly, uh, the exporting that we, we don't need to be paying Russia for their oil and they use of those proceeds to fund their, their, their war on Ukraine. Yeah. And quite frankly, we don't need to be allowing oil companies to be using their greed 
to benefit and profit off the U.S. people. Yeah, America I'm with you on that, too. So, Michael, just, let me just recently rec- being told and dictated what to do. Yeah, and forgive my interrupting, but I'm, I'm noticing that I've got about a minute and a half here before the machine is going to step on us both. We're talking with Michael Less, the co-chairman of the Freedom Convoy USA, the, the so-called trucker uh, 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 convoy in, in Washington, D.C. So where are you guys at and what are your plans here, Michael? Well, it continues to grow, uh, contrary to what some of the mainstream media is saying. And quite frankly, we are in discussion now with members of Congress. Uh, we've had meetings today on the Hill. And we wanted to make sure that what are you it's asking clearly for? understood. Very simple. There is no need anymore for the Emergency Powers Act. I mean, the mandates are being rescinded on their own. There's no need to maintain that clout or that club over the head of the American people. Quite frankly, this thing has panned out. It's time to move on. It's time for the American people to decide what is best for their own health needs. Isn't that what's and, happening uh, right now? It is what's happening. We're in the right direction, but we're not there yet, Tom. I mean, we know, you and I both know how Congress and all works. Smoke and mirrors game. They promise you one thing and do something else. Yeah, I, and I, we just want We just want truth <laughs> and honesty to the American people. Well, that would be a fine thing, Michael, and, 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 uh, and a great note to end this on. Uh, truth and honesty for the American people. Always. I'm glad we agree on something, Dom. I think you know it's a lot of future in this country. There you go. For the both of us. Michael, thank you. Thank you for uh, for a very thank civil you. conversation. I appreciate it. Michael Letts, uh, uh, you can find his, uh, well, first of all, investusa.org, his, his company, michaelletts.us, L E T T S dot US, and Michael Letts USA or at Freedom Convoy on Twitter. Thank you, Michael. Charles in Miami. Hey, Charles, what's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing? Tom, love the show as usual. Thank you. Um, my thing is this, um, Biden administration, um, I, I look at this as not that the gas is getting high and we have no choice. I think what we should do, I mean, to me, it's like when the gas prices going up the last time they did, it's like a Sputnik moment. Why don't we have, a, instead of a space race, a race, whatever you want to call it, Democrat, where we can start developing electric cars, electric batteries, and once and for all, rid ourselves of depending on fossil fuel. Well, that's what Biden tried to do with his Build Back Better plan, Charles. There was $400 billion in there for exactly what you're talking about. And every single Republican, and it passed the House of Representatives, and every single Republican in the United States Senate, plus Kirsten Sinema, plus Joe Manchin, voted against it. Right, but this time what he needs to do is sign directly um, executive orders, right? Like, I, I called you before, and I said he should have at least uh, 50 million cars that he wants to offer to the American public. Write that down in um, an executive order and force yeah. force the, um, the Congress, force the Senate to do their job. In fact, what he needs to do is go to every college, every coffee house in the state of West Virginia, and in the state of uh, Arizona as well, and, and some of these Republican states, and, and go out and talk to the people and let them know he's human. He doesn't bite. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure all he has to do is get up enough ground, you know, groundswell, groundsport, where people are going to want this because yeah, I th- we're at a point where the gas is too expensive anyway. It's just unattainable, you know. Yep. It's just- I think he needs to, they need to take out from the Build Back Better. Build Back Better had a whole bunch of things that included child care and daycare and all kinds of stuff. I think that they need to pull out the, the for that $400 billion for energy independence and they need to roll it out as a brand new piece of legislation and call it the American Energy Independence uh, Proclamation or legislation. You know, let the Republicans vote against that if they want and Manchin and Cinema. But I'm with you, Charles. We need another bite at the apple here. And I think that this moment, I mean, if ever there was a moment to say we shouldn't be addicted to fossil fuels, this is the moment. And I get it that the entire Republican Party wants to continue that addiction because it's very profitable for the, for the petrobillionaires who fund the Republican Party. In fact, the Coke Network is larger than the Republican Party itself. More employees, more offices, bigger budget. I get it. You know, fossil fuels are driving the GOP. But screw them. It's time for the Democrats to come out and say, you know, either Americans, you are either with us or you're with, you know, Saudi Arabia and Russia. And what about Main Street? Every time I turn around, Republicans are saying they need a tax cut. Business needs a break. 
this is the time that Main Street needs a break. We, you know, we yep. shouldn't have tax cuts then if we can't get a break right now. If we can't get a price freeze across the board, corporations leading the charge, making their um, patriotic uh, uh, I'm with you. And how about instead of a tax cut, we start offering tax credits for putting solar panels on the roof of your business. Wonderful. I mean, Wonderful. you know, Wonderful. they get the same discounts, they get the same money, and, and now they don't have to pay for fossil fuels anymore. Uh, thank you, Charles. We'll be right back. Stick around. Avery in Long Beach, California. Hey, Avery, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Hey, thank you for taking my call. Um, I appreciate the show. I just wanted to uh, make Americans um, remind them, you did say it a few moments ago about um, how America has lied us into um, situations like this, not just like with Putin, but, you know, um, you always have to follow the money. You know, who's who's profiting off of this? What's, yeah. what's going wars on with and this, Three you know? wars in my lifetime we got lied into. Vietnam, Iraq, right. and Afghanistan. Right. And, and I learned about, like, what, Vietnam, like, I don't know if you just mentioned that, but, like, the Gulf of Tonkin or something like that, even going back to the Spanish-American War with, like, Maceo uh, uh, over Cuba. Yep. So just, yeah, to your point. So, so yeah, and so, and, and then the casualties of war. I'm not a hawk. I'm a dove. So just all of this is, like, the war, it, 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 there's casualties of war, like all the all the soldiers who were killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, I'm from the Bay Area out there. Um, we have like a, a monument with all the, the crosses out there in, in, in the East Bay off the Highway 24. It's, it's thousands of crosses for the casualties of war who have died in those wars. And I, I go out there and I just cry thinking about how all those young men, you know, were, were lied into the political side of this. So, And for every one of those casualties, there's probably a hundred who came back wounded in ways that you can see and you can't see, that they, and they will carry those wounds throughout their lives, and in many cases they will inflict those wounds, probably unintentionally, on their families and friends. You should see the, home, the, the, the mental ill population in Long Beach and in, in Los Angeles, the people that, if the you vets. go and talk to them, a large percentage of them are veterans yep. or people who have served this country. And it is, a, it is a disgrace how they are treated and how they are out in the streets. You can, you can do it yourself. I, I, I'm sure it's a hypothetical, but a large percentage of them have served this country. Yep. Last point with the oil, the mm -hmm. earth is going to take us out. All these oligarchs going and digging and picking in the earth. One day they're going to hit something in the core and we're not going to have any heat or anything like that. So the Earth's going to take us out. Okay. Well, I think I think the planet is is fixing to take us out anyway just by by virtue of uh, you know, global warming. But I get what you're saying, Avery. Thank you very much for the call. Drew, uh, although I don't think the core is going to get us. Although, you know, you never know. We're we're just right down the road from a live volcano here in Oregon, uh, Mount Hood. Jules and Eugene also down the road from a live volcano. What's up? <laughs> Hey, Tom. It's uh, great talking to you. I've read many of your books and I'm a fan. Thank you. And uh, I just wanted to say that I use my bicycle for commuting everywhere, and I'm not a rich guy, and I use my car to get out of town, I do all my shopping. And the one question that I have for you is I'd like to know uh, good nonprofits to donate to Ukraine and not mm. someone who's going to rip us off. Yeah. Um, the United Nations, you know, they're, they're, they've got a couple of agencies that are a refugee agency, there's CARE, there's the, the UNHCR. Um, I, I can't make a specific recommendation, Jules. I haven't done my homework on that. But the New York Times had a guide to helping Ukraine. You might want to look for that. Um, it's pretty straightforward stuff and some, some great organizations. And yeah, with okay. regard to, to reorganizing your life, uh, you know, Louise and I, when we moved we back to Oregon, uh, we bought a house that was walking distance to work. I walk to work every day and I walk home every day. Nate is walking to work every day. I mean, you know, you can do this. <laughs> you can ride your bicycle. Uh, Jules, thank you very much. And I realize you can't, everybody can't just get up and move too, but sometimes you can. Dennis in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind today? Yes, Tom. It seems like right now 
we are letting Putin dictate everything to us because we're so scared of him. And he's basically going against the world. I mean, he's going to most likely, by attrition, take over Ukraine. And then, like you say, he's going to go on, most likely, because these yeah, guys... Moldova is next, I guarantee you. Exactly. And what, what makes us think that a man worth probably $500 billion wants to kill himself? I mean, who's to say he's going to nuke any country? Why don't we no. put that on him. In other words, he seems to be on offense all the time, Tom, and we're on defense. Like, oh, please, don't do this or don't do that. You know, why is he dictating all the rules, basically? Because he's a bully. And, you know, this is kind of phase one of bully activity. You know, and again, I, you know, we saw the same thing in the period from 1936 to 1945 with regard to Hitler's behavior. And I don't see that much difference right now. Although, like I said, we also have to acknowledge that George W. Bush and Dick Cheney lied us into a war in Iraq. We bombed the crap out of Iraq, probably used, in fact, my understanding is that we used more munitions on Iraq than we did in World War II. Uh, So we didn't just bomb the crap out of Iraq. We we bombed them back to the Stone Age and, and Afghanistan as well although they were already halfway in the Stone Age. And, and, and it took years before Americans really woke up to the crime, to the this horrendous war crime that Bush and Cheney had committed. Right. And, and, most, you know, and, and the majority of Republicans still think the, both those wars were justified. So you know, thinking it, that Russia is going to suddenly turn against Putin when that country has got a much more closed news ecosystem than we do. Now, on the other hand, what didn't happen when we invaded Iraq was the rest of the world, we, you know, Bush actually got the rest of the world with us, or much of the rest of the world with us on our side. And so we didn't have the world putting sanctions on us. We didn't cripple our own economy. We ran up our debt by five or six trillion dollars, you know, with the, the two wars over 20 years. You know, so I don't know how this is going to play out, and any kind of analogy is imperfect. I don't think this is going to stand. I really don't. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I don't think it can stand. Dennis, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Ted in... Uh, Hatsboro, Pennsylvania. Hey, Ted, what's on your mind? Uh, I wanted to tell you that to think that uh, Putin is playing poker and he's raised the stakes using the American fear and the rest of the world's fear by bringing up nuclear. Nuke gets the first right off the bat. Yeah. And uh, we shouldn't play that game. We shouldn't back down from him at all. You know, you want to raise the stakes, go ahead and push the button. Well, a big back down just happened yesterday, Ted. There was yeah. this uh, campaign... Zelensky had actually proposed that he had, there uh-huh. were a bunch of Ukrainian pilots who know how to fly Soviet planes. They can't fly American planes, but they trained in Soviet planes. And he said, you know, Poland has got a whole bunch of these old Soviet planes. And why don't mm-hmm. you just let some of our Ukrainian pilots climb into the cockpits? We'll fly into, you know, some of the airports that we still control in Ukraine to uh-huh. refuel and, and load up some munitions. And then it's going to be Ukrainian pilots. You can, you can lend or lease or sell those planes to Ukraine tomorrow morning, and it'll be Ukrainian pilots flying, theoretically, Ukrainian planes. There was a big move to make that happen, and Poland yesterday wimped out. The president of Poland said, we're not going to do that, because Putin, the day before yesterday, said, if you do that, Poland, we will consider you a combatant, and we will invade your country, too. <laughs> this guy's really off the board, isn't he? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, this is where it's going, Ted. This is where it's going. Ted, thanks a lot for the call. Sean tells me, let me just see if this is, where are you seeing that? On political? Uh, Let me see if the Washington Post. Sean said that uh, Poland just struck a deal. Oh, thank you, Sean. Poland transfers MiG fighters to the U.S. as Ukraine asks for help. Wow. Poland has struck a deal with the United States to transfer all of its Russian-made MiG fighter jets immediately and free of charge to a U.S. air base in Germany, a likely precursor to the jets being delivered to Ukraine. That is amazing. Thank you, Sean, for that. Uh, Let's pick up your phone calls. Let's see here. Clark in Alexandria, Virginia. Hey, Clark, what's on your mind? Oh, hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. And uh, thanks for, for all that you do. I was just wondering if you saw any merit in um, Bill McKibben's idea of ramping up production of electric heat pumps 
with the Defense uh, Production, Production Act. Act. Yeah, I saw that, and I, you know, from 350.org, I think it was, which yeah. of course Bill started. Uh, Bill is such a good guy. He's such a smart guy. I know Bill McKibben. I, you know, we're not good buddies, but I've I've known him for years, and I have uh, so much respect for him. I think it's a brilliant idea. Yeah. And and basically, what electric heat pumps do is they allow you to electrify your home heating, and uh, it's uh, and 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 if your electric source then becomes a renewable source, and that's the easiest thing to do. Uh, you know, uh, if you're if you're resourcing electricity or uh, energy, is to do it that way, then, then, you know, that's a good thing. So, yeah, Clark, thank you. I saw that, and I think it's a great idea. Thanks for, for flagging it for us. Mark in San Diego. Hey, Mark, what's up? I'm Air America listener and first-time caller. Well, thank you. you. So, um, uh, Putin's mental state <clears throat> is important. I've been watching uh, clips of him in the last couple weeks on TV, mm -hmm. and I noticed that he has a very strange gait now. He doesn't swing one arm. And plus, when he's sitting down, he's hunched over. He's, you know, you, we have mental images of him sitting high and on a horse with an erect posture. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a program by Dr. Sten Enberg where there are indicators to watch out for early dementia. You begin to have a hunched over posture. You lose your arm swing on one of both sides when you walk. I just received a notice from a friend that they have a friend in Kiev who is, gets stem cell treatment for Parkinson's who noticed the same thing. Wow. So this is very interesting. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I can't, I can't uh, Mark, thank you. I can't vouch for any of it, but if true, it would be fascinating. Um, but whether he's going nuts or not, or whether he's got Parkinson's, or whether he's got, you know, dementia or whatever, we have to deal with the, the outcome of his behaviors um, as much as we try to understand them. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. In the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Please, get active. There are so many things you can do. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Be good to yourself and the people around you. And pray for peace. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 